The archipelago of Hookbar is a collection of strange islands in the far south Indian Ocean. The islands are mountainous, densely forested and sparsely populated. A space where strange things wash in on the tide. Where secrets hide deep in caves and unspeakable horrors lurk just out of sight. As the afternoon begins to dip into evening, the sky is washed with deep purples and oranges. The steel grey waves beat at the rocky shores. But on the largest island, just outside of a small town called Port Staples, a man stands watching a distant storm roll in. The heavy clouds on the horizon seem to bubble and twist. It will be here soon. From his vantage on the hill, he can look out over the port below. The meagre boats coming and going, and yet unaware of the storm fast approaching. This man is Chief Ranger Lester. Tall, balding, with a kindly yet tired face. He turns from his vigil to the old ranger station, and passing through the glass front door, he locks it, flips the closed sign, and then pushes a shelf in front of the door for good measure. As he moves, the radio on his hip crackles as a voice comes through the static. Chief, come in Chief, it's Gina. Hi Sweet Pea, how are you doing? How's the search? Any signs of the missing boy? Dad, I told you not to call me that. I'm not eight anymore, remember? Sorry, honey. Uh, But seriously, are there any signs? No, I've just made it to the wreck. I'm going to find a way in, but it's not looking good. Has Brett reported in yet? Or Sherman? No, I'm starting to worry, actually. We may need to regroup and go out after them. Well, once I search the wreck, we can set out together. That's fine. I, um, I have something to deal with here. As he speaks, Lester is locking doors and windows, barricading those he can. He flicks on the light switch to drive away the ever-increasing shadows. But there is no flicker of light. It doesn't come on. Okay, Dad. I better go. I think I can see movement, actually. I'll, um, I'll keep you posted. Okay, Gina. Be careful. I know, I know. Gina out. Wait. Sweet Pea, I love you. Um, I love you too, Dad. I'll see you soon. The radio crackles into static again. Lester steps into his office, a small cramped room filled with furniture. His desk is piled high with paperwork and books, takeaway containers and coffee cups. But behind the desk, plastered across the entire wall, is a maze of photographs, newspaper clippings and maps. Some have been thumbtacked, others have been nailed into place, regardless of what was once underneath. There are a dozen missing persons posters as well, faces staring out. Strips of tape or marker connecting faces with news articles and locations. Lester picks up the phone. Uh, Hello, Ernest. This is Chief Ranger Lester again. Uh, Listen, something's come up. I won't be able to pick you up from the ferry when you arrive, uh, but I have asked a young fellow by the name of Alistair Stern to pick you up. Uh, He'll be waiting. Chief Lester pins the phone between his ear and shoulder as he opens a cabinet inside his office and retrieves a Ranger-issue shotgun. He begins loading shells into it. So anyway, um, I've got my hands full with something right now, but uh, the other rangers are out in the field, so I guess what I'm saying is uh, I just need you to be ready to jump into the deep end when you arrive. Uh, Don't worry, I'll explain properly when you get here. It's, It's not a big deal. For a moment, he lets his eyes run over the faces, staring out of the missing persons posters. Just the usual ranger stuff, you know. Uh, Anywho, looking forward to meeting you. Um, I hope you'll be a good fit. Anyway, Lester out. He hangs up. Moving quickly, Lester props the gun on his hip and pauses to touch a hand to a family photo on the wall. 
It's Lester with his two children, a boy and a girl, all of them smiling. Switching on a flashlight, he clips it to the barrel of the gun. He turns and marches out of the office. The shadows are long, stretching and contorted like monstrous shapes that dance along the walls. From somewhere there is the sound of breaking glass. Chief Lester levels the shotgun and begins to take measured breaths. I know what you're here for, he calls out, but I'm not going to go down without a fight. He racks a shell into the chamber. Come on, let's get this over with. Lester steps into the reception room. The last orange rays of the sun stream in and glint off the smashed glass door. From behind him, Lester hears an animalistic growl, unlike anything he's ever heard, and he spins. From outside, the ranger station looks small, shrouded in shadow. Meanwhile, a small ferry chugs through the sea, buffeted by heavy waves as the storm rolls overhead. The ferry is old, rust-stained, and smells like diesel fumes. Emerging from the bridge, atop a small observation deck is a young man. He screws up his eyes, trying to see past the waves and the spattering rain. But ahead is only mist and slate sea. This is Ernest Marsh. Ernest Marsh is a young man of around his early 20s, 21, 22. He is wearing a dark green bomber jacket and jammed on his head is a fleece bomber cap. Bomber cap? Pilot cap? Ah, who knows? One of those white type of ones with the fleece on the ear cups and all that type of stuff. All over his jacket is a strewn of camping and scouting badges and he is holding his phone that has one of those really chunky waterproof cases on it up high into the air trying to get a signal of like, there was a phone call but it didn't didn't get through. He's like moving along to different areas of the the uh, platform to try and get a bit of signal to hear this phone call. As he's looking up, we see that he has sandy blonde hair and a face strewn with freckles over his nose. All right, as you are searching for the signal, the door behind you squeaks open and a tall woman steps out beside you. Uh, she's wearing wire-framed glasses and has her hair tied up. Her face is stern and serious. She wears a suit with a grey raincoat over the top. She looks at you with polite disinterest and stares out at the waves. You um don't look like you're prepared for this. No raincoat? Ernest looks at her as a flap of his cap falls onto his face and water like strews down down like down his chin and down his like throat and he feels it going into like the last remains of dry part of his shirt he wriggles a little bit it's like pushing the hat back up was like oh yeah I, I was just gonna step out for a second I wasn't really uh you know <clears throat> I see are you uh traveling for work or pleasure I'll work work I'm um I'm hopefully the new uh park ranger here Oh, I see. That sounds fun. Oh yeah, yeah. I've um I've been doing a, a vet course and all that to to get the qualifications for it. Uh, what about you? Work or or any like quotes pleasure? I'll work. Uh, my name is Doctor Pike. 
I might see something of you while I'm there. I'm just here for a research trip. Oh, okay. His um, attention is drawn away as he hears a ding go off from his phone and he looks over and frowns as he sees it. it's just the message from his parents and not the one that he was sure he was going to get from Lester. Uh, Dr. Pike nods to you and steps back inside the bridge. Uh, as uh, you, good evening. Uh, she doesn't hear you. She closes the door. Uh. Uh, you look down and you see that there is a, a text from your parents. Uh, it basically just says, let us know when you arrive safe. Give us a text. Um, but as you are trying to respond, trying to see if you have any signal, you see something else come through. It is a voice message from Chief Lester. Ernest plays the message and puts it next to his ear and squints a little bit, frowns a little bit as he hears the details of it. And as it finishes, looks at the phone. I have to start when I get the... Does that mean I got the job? It's like, turn, like does a double take. It's like, did I get the job? The so, ear flap goes in his face. The ear flap goes in his face again as the water again. It's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> right, as you are uh, disentangling yourself from the flaps of your, your hat... Uh, you watch as the rain and the mist clear for a moment. You feel the wind has shifted uh, and begins to blow the mist away and you see the islands emerging. The islands are already close, rising out of the tossing sea. As it moves closer to the islands, the ship gets buffeted more and more by these raging waves and Ernest begins to start to retch. Now that he has okay. a reference point to see how much the ship's moving. He's like, oh, that's how much... Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, as you were trying to, uh, to hold your lunch down, um, the islands become clearer. You can see that they are uh, forested, mountainous uh, masses rising out of the rocky shore and the deep water. As you approach, you can distinguish island from island. Some are large with small mountains and ridges. Others are so small it seems unlikely that they would have a name. But here and there you see fishing boats all returning in from different directions with, even from this distance you can tell, meagre catches. Winding through the waterways that separate the island, you pass a peeling old lighthouse sitting on a jagged little rock surrounded by a reef. Just like you, all these ships are heading towards the largest island. Hookbar, and the town of Port Staples. Behind you, the grizzled little captain taps on the glass and motions for you to step inside. As you do, he grunts, Nearly there, best get your things. As you go to leave, you hear a crackling from the radio as a transmission tries to get through. Ernest stops for a little bit as he's picking up his bags, hearing the signal, and turns up. It's like, you guys don't get a great signal here, do you? No. Damn thing's always acting up. Hard to get a clear signal on a good day. He punches it. Yeah, he's <laughs> slapping the side of it. Anyway, it's nothing to worry about. Yeah, okay. Ernst, thinking to himself, I feel like a, a captain of a ship should be like concerned about the tide. Because that was like the one word he was able to pick out, his tide. It was like, uh, I feel like that's something a shipman should care about. Anyway, he's going to start heading down. Meantime, on the old docks of Port Staples, Alistair Stern 
is waiting, with a small cardboard sign that has Ernest Marsh scrawled across it in pen. He stands under the shelter of the ticket booth beside the community notice board. Uh, the ink on the sign is beginning to run a little. Alistair Stern is a young man of about 19 years old. Um, he is very thin and very pale, and he wears really dark clothes. He's wearing a pair of black Doc Martens and ripped black jeans and like a dark colored checked shirt. Um, and his hair is shaved at the sides and kind of long and curly flowing over his face. Uh, and the, the fringe is dyed like a dark green color. And it's slowly sticking to his face and he's like trying to resist the urge to keep pushing it out of his face uh, as he's kind of standing there trying not to get too wet, uh, holding this sign that's slowly getting more soggy and slowly um, running. <laughs> and he's kind of hoping that that the, the fairy comes in before the name is completely illegible. <laughs> um, and he watches the faces of dock workers and uh, people that work in this area all walking away from him, finishing up their day's work, going home, getting out of the storm, while Alistair's standing there facing the clouds and the rain. The community pin board behind you has flyers for school recitals and holiday programs, church events, and... At the bottom corner, you can see the missing persons posters issued by the Hook Bar Police Station. You see faces smiling out at you. A middle-aged woman with dark eyes. The name reads Michelle Honecky. You know her. Underneath, you see another, a young man grimacing, Bernard Dougal. Underneath that, another face and another name. Underneath that, another face and another name. There must be a dozen, maybe more. Alistair, you know these faces, you recognise these names. They're the parents of kids you went to school with. They're the guy who worked at the gas station. It seems like now they're just names and faces on a flyer, but you know that they are real people. And no one else seems to care. Uh, one dock worker passes you and you recognise him uh, as a guy that you went to school with only a year or two before. Uh, he's now working as a fisherman on one of these trawlers. He goes... Hey, Alistair, is that... Hey, Ali, what are you doing here? Hey, Mark, uh, working. Right. Yeah. yeah, it looks like working. Yeah, it's great. Nice and dry, too. Yeah, I was going to go to the pub, uh, but if you're working... Uh, <laughs> yep. Anyway, I'll, uh, I'll catch you. He turns <laughs> up right. his collar against the rain and heads off. Yep. I'll just stay here, I guess. You are relieved at the sound of the ferry blaring its horn. Oh, finally. Uh, as you turn to look, the ferry is pulling in. Uh, they are throwing ropes down to the dockhands who are fastening it on, and uh, the little bridge is being put out. Alistair watches eagerly, and he's trying to toss up whether he stays or if he walks down. And while he's doing this, he's just thinking to himself, trying to remember any time in his life when the ferry was on time. And he can't, he can't think of it. And it's always the latest when he has to meet someone, it seems. It does seem. Uh, you see, as uh, passengers begin to disembark, there are only a very small handful of them. Uh, very quickly, you see uh, one of them, a young man wearing a green jacket and a bomber cap, uh, waves to you as he shoulders his backpack and picks up his bag and starts moving towards you. He has recognised your sign. At this point, Alistair decides definitely not to leave the partial shelter and just nods and waits for him to come up. 
Ernest walks up and as he's walking begins to peer more at the sign as he reaches the t- like where Alistair is standing he says uh points to the sign is that Ernest Marsh or Hey Arnold well listen man I take it you're Ernest yes Alistair folds up the sign and like tosses it in a bin he's like yeah I'm surprised that thing held up uh I my name's Alistair I was asked to pick you up apparently uh, Lester couldn't meet you or something uh yeah last minute change and Ernest holds out his hand okay very awkward that way just like it's like the arm's straight and then extends from his (laughs) like his hip out Alistair looks at it a bit confused and then kind of absentmindedly shakes it yeah uh cool we should probably get out of the rain yeah uh looks up at the rain looks down it's like I'm not too prepared for this yeah I can see you, you must be mad to try and find a job here at this time of time of year oh well I mean I wasn't even sure if I had the job apparently I do have the job maybe possibly I don't they know didn't tell you if you had the job oh it was more of like a hey come and see type of I don't know. This this island is not the kind of place somebody comes and sees. Like, I... Nobody just comes here on a whim. Ernest flashes his eye away from Alistair at the notice board and sees the plethora of missing persons posters and frowns again, thinking of Lester's message and pulls his eyes away back to, to Alistair, still with that frown. You can see Alistair's not noticed and he's uh, slowly walking towards the car park. Uh, as you both begin to make the dash for uh, the car park, you are halted by the blaring of a ship's horn. Uh, Ernest, to you, this just sounds like anything that would be happening in a port. You're not from um, a shipping town. Alistair, you recognise this as a distress signal, um, this particular pattern of uh, horn bursts. Alistair stops and holds up his hand and he's like, just a second, and he's going to look, take a, a couple steps backwards the way they came and look towards the port to see if we can figure out what's going on. Uh, coming out of the darkness, you can see that there is a last ship trying to make its way into port. It is riding low in the water, listing to one side. Uh, you can see that it is not looking good, and there are lights flashing from the ship itself as um, dock hands, those who are still on duty, rush uh, to try and throw ropes to try and haul the ship into port. Oh, uh, hold up. Something's something's going on. Ernest turns around and sees the boat hanged quite strongly to one side, frowns again. He's like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't look quite right. No, that's... Yeah, no, that ship just sent out a distress signal. Are you sure? Yeah, that that's what that horn was. It's a special... Anyway, we should probably get down and see if we can help. Alice is going to start kind of jogging down. All right, you make your way down. Uh, this is a few a few sections down in the port further from the ferry. The ferry comes in uh, at the top end, and this is towards the middle. As you get further down, you can see that this ship is indeed in a very bad way. Uh, even from this distance, you can see that a whole side of railing has been ripped off. You can see gouges in the hull where it seems to be taking on water still. Uh, as the ship is being hauled by large ropes into the pier, you can see uh, fishermen and crew jumping off uh, as they try to make sure that they get to land before it sinks. 
Uh, you can wait in the car if you want. And this is standing a few meters behind you, drenched again, and looking at the boat. I was like, uh, I'm here. I mean, I'm already here, so... Eh. Okay, well, welcome to Hookbar, I guess. Welcome to Hookbar. Together, you are drawn into a curious little crowd of onlookers uh, who are trying to help the fishermen who are jumping ship and throwing uh, material overboard. As the crew clamber off, you can see one gruff man in a rain slicker standing at the prow as he surveys the damage despondently. Uh, he's sipping from a hip flask as he does so. Uh, once Alice has kind of seen that the ship's more or less safe and the crew are safe, he's, he's going to stop whatever he's doing to help and walk up. Okay. Hey, what's what happened here? The captain, as you now realise he must be, leans over you what's left of the railing. Goes, yep. Yeah, just another casualty of the moving reef. Where were you? Oh, out by Silverland. I could have sworn it wasn't there, and then it was, and... What wasn't there? Ernest holds his hand up. Sir, I... Question. Do reefs move? He's looking at you a little bit blearily, and he takes another swig. He's like, they do around here, boy. Uh, he looks at Alistair. It doesn't... It's, it's not how it works. Um, anyway, uh... <laughs> <laughs> looks back up at the side. Do you need your hand? Are you all, are you all right? You don't look... Is this your boat? He points at the ship. It was. What were you hauling? What? No, mackerel. Oh, uh, all right. We found a good, a good shoal, actually. Just perfect little shoal. And then whap, he hit something and that snagged on something. And okay, so you said... Crane I'll... arm broke and... Out past Gouge the hull and... Do you have a precise location? Precisely? What? You said out past Silverland. Where exactly? Ernest pokes Alistair a little bit. He's like, he might not be in the right place to talk about that. He doesn't look well. Southwest Silverland, out near Putt Island. Alistair takes out his phone and starts typing that. He's like, yeah, it doesn't look sober, that's for sure. Look, kid... I can't repay the loans on this thing. I'm not asking I'm, about the loans. I'm done. This is it. I mean, this island, this whole place is cursed, and I'm probably just cursed with it, and God in heaven, this is... Oh, this is the end, isn't it? He's going to start weeping quietly as he, like, starts clambering off the uh, off the bow. You can see that the entire ship is still sinking. <laughs> um, people are really just he watching. He just pulls like a pirate to the Caribbean and just steps yeah, off he's as sort of just sinking. Well, he kind of, he, he goes to like step, realises he's too high, like gets down on all fours, starts trying to like meander out and then slips and falls onto the pier <laughs> next to you. He gets himself up and goes, they're going to say I um, was drunk. They're going to say I was insane that there was a sea monster. And, oh, who knows? Maybe it was. Uh, I'm going to go to the pub. <laughs> he starts uh, starts meandering off, leaving his sinking ship. Alistair continues to fill out the notes on his phone and like take pictures of the ship. Uh, very quickly, you hear a car horn uh, beeping and then a voice booming out from behind you, a voice that you recognize all too well. All right, break it up. Nothing to see here. Oh, no. Break, can you go find someone to get this mess into a dry dock? Where's the captain? Alistair's going to uh, like tap Ernest and be like, we should get going. And striding towards you is a short man in a, a grey suit with sort of like a salmon pink tie. He's holding 
an umbrella over his head. Uh, he's gesturing angrily at just about everything, including the wrecked boat. He goes, this is appalling. You can't park that here. Like, what do you think this is? This Alice- looks like Dresden, sending the totally wrong message. Alice- Brett, where are you? Alistair's stro- uh, striding back to the car park, and he's put his phone in his pocket, and he's trying to avoid eye contact. Oh, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, okay. Ali? Ali, what are you doing what? here? What do you want? I'm working. Ali, you're supposed to be, what, re- refitting the pool lights or something? I have that? other- Why are you here? I have other jobs, Dad. You're not the only person I work for, you know? Yes, I am. Well, I mean, you work for the council, technically, yeah. but I run the council, so... Ali, what are you doing? This ship, is this... Are you doing something again? Is this another no. one of your your blog theory no, conspiracy I was, friends? No, I was here... Dad, it's, it's freezing, it's raining. I was here to pick up this... What was your name again? Marsh something? Marsh boy... I was here to pick him up. The, the Anyway, I'm working. Dad, I'm busy. What, are you a taxi driver now? I guess so. I thought you were the yeah. handyman. Hello. Look, you'd... Hello. That's Marsh. Oh, uh, Dad, hello. I am everything, Hi, okay? Uh, I'm... He holds his hand. Hello. Mayor Mallory Stern, very good, very good to meet you. Uh, this is my uh, dad. Uh, Ernest Marsh. Ernest Marsh. Great. Um, Listen, Ali. Yeah. You know how we talked about... Uh, well, you know how I always say... That are keeping this town running is the most important job yes. you could have, and frequently, yes. How is this? He gestures at all of Ernest, uh, fulfilling that part of the job, son. What? So you're just going to make this guy walk all the way to the ranger station? I don't know. Somebody have... has to drive him. Sorry, ranger station. Hello, yes, sir. He holds his hand out again. Yes, uh, I am the new. He's a new park ranger. Or park... Yes, thank you, Alistair. I am the new possible park ranger. Maybe I'm not sure if I have a job. Dad, it's raining, uh, all right? I'm just... I'm okay, just, fine, fine. I'm just fine. dropping into the ranger station. But if I hear anything about this, about this ship deal... What you, how, I don't want to hear anything about it, Ali. I don't want to hear it. Great, you're not going to. Great. I don't want to hear anything on your on your, your Facebook or your tweeters or any of your, your, your blog stuff about this. Alistair is walking away. Yep. Cool, whatever, Dad. Also, you. Um, Come on, um, Ernest. Bomber cap boy. When you see your boss, tell him he better call me because he's not been picking up the phone. Ernest is like backing up and it's like gives him two thumbs up and is like, if he is my boss, I will do that. Marsh, you coming? I, I'm coming. Yep. Yep. Brad, come on. Can you please get someone to move the... the uh, oh, it's gone. Brett, can you get someone to pull the boat out of under the water? Okay. As you are heading back to the car, uh, Ernest... You can see that uh, Dr. Pike his, has also disembarked. Uh, she seems to be supervising several uh, ship's hands who are unloading crates of equipment. Uh, many of them are marked with fragile. Uh, you can see that Mayor Stern makes his way up to introduce himself to her. Uh, they seem to be chatting and he is shepherding her towards a car that is waiting. Uh, Alistair leads you into the car park and he leads you past... A few, you know, decent-looking cars. Uh, This is kind of the end of the day, so there's not a lot of people here. Um, And he leads you right to the end of the car park. And sitting there is an old 1978 Honda Civic that is gunmetal grey. And you can't tell if that's the colour it was painted or just that's the undercoat. It's very difficult to tell. It is also very rusted, and the passenger side door is bright orange. Uh, and Alistair leads you and starts unlocking the doors. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. He, 
that's my dad. He stresses me out a lot, uh, but I guess... No, anyway, no, it's you've nice. Met him it's now. nice. It's uh, He's like peering at the paint. He's like, that's done with a paintbrush. That's a paintbrush. It's nice. What, my dad or... What? Oh, the car. Yeah, what? thanks. I like it. Your dad? So, um... Anyway, wait. I, that was your. Oh, that was that was your. Okay, yeah, right. The, my dad's the mayor. He stresses me out a lot. But anyway, uh, and he gets in the car and unlocks it, like pushes the door open for you. So you can put your bag in the back if you want. Ernest sits in, like sits down with the bag on his lap and closes the door. It's like, okay. And he buckles himself up, <laughs> like the buckle over the bag to like hold it down. It's like, all right. Alistair puts his seatbelt on and starts the car. All right, so um, Lester, he didn't give me many details, but he said to take you to the ranger station, so I guess, is that okay if I do that? Uh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, I um, I was told they have a place for me to stay there. Um, uh, if, if yeah, I'm... I guess so. He didn't tell me, but yeah, assume so. Doesn't seem like the person to tell people much. Uh, like, he usually is, but... Moves his head to the side slightly. He's, he's had a lot on his plate, I guess lately. Ernest thinks back to the missing persons posters. He's like, you mean with the missing persons? But surely that's for uh, police. That's not park ranger business unless they've been lost on the reserve. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're not the biggest community here. We kind of, everyone helps everyone. Uh, <laughs> he like looks over and sees off in the distance the fire station. Also has like fire station slash uh, like Mother's Union. <laughs> it's like, mmm. CWA. CWA. He's like, yeah, yes, everything's a bit of everything here. So Alistair starts driving um, up the road, sort of into town. And he's like, so why are you here again? The park ranger. Yeah, I know, but. From what I know, you guys have an incredibly large reserve with four acting park rangers. That is. Absurd. Yeah, it's... Well, like I said, we're a bit short-staffed, but, yeah. like, why did you say yes? Because this is not the kind of place that you just come for fun. Like, that... Uh, shrugs and starts looking out the window. Better than staying at home. As you drive through the town of Port Staples, uh, Ernest, you realise that it is small. It is huddled into the hillside for protection against the wind. Uh, the shop fronts of the houses feel somehow out of date, as though uh, the building boom of the 1950s has been locked in place and nothing much has changed since. Nothing that strays too far towards what you could call modern. As you leave the town behind you, you follow the road up into the dense trees. They are immensely tall, a strange mix of pine and Tasmanian bluegum. They grow close and dense with bracken and brush undergrowth that grows right to the edge of the road. All of this is illuminated by the weak yellow headlights of Alistair's car. Well, I guess if it's uh, fresh air and stuff you want, we got plenty of that here. Hmm. Yeah. That's definitely the vibe I'm getting. He looks out over the vast wilderness. So, how long are you staying? Like, just, like, a trial, or are you moving here? Like, what's... Uh, well, I thought it was just a trial, but if I am expected to be in action, then I don't know. It could be a few months, it could be a few years. I, 
depends on how long they really want me. So you don't know? No, don't know. So they they didn't tell you a whole lot? No, I mean, he reached out to me specifically. I wasn't, like, I didn't put my application in here. He reached out. Oh. So it could be getting catfished. There's, <laughs> I'm glad there is a actually a reserve here. Well, you never know. I could be a plant too. <laughs> kind of grins. He squints at you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm sure they'll fill you in. Um, yeah. Yeah, I hope so. It's a big job. Yeah. Again, <laughs> at the vast wilderness. Yeah. There's a, lot, there's a lot here. So have you heard the stories? The sto- stories? Yeah, they didn't frighten you off? I heard about a lady's house getting keyed. <laughs> No, like the stories of the archipelago, archipelago being, you know, haunted with sea monsters and ships that mysteriously run into moving reefs. Well, I did hear about the bad economy. Uh, like, yeah, that's that's a big part of the curse, I think. Is this how you normally uh, introduce your town to people? I mean, you're already here, so I don't really need to sell it to you. And I'm trapped. Yeah, that's true. That's true. This is not a premier holiday destination. This is this is a very run-down town with a lot of bad stories. Uh, at this point, Alistair, I'd like you to roll luck for me. Oh, okay. So Here we go. What BJ is going to do right now is he's going to roll a d12, a 12-sided dice, um, and this is going to represent his luck. This is some of the uh, role-playing game mechanics that we use to structure the drama in our show. Now, BJ, what have you rolled? So I rolled a one, which is very bad. Yes. So a one being the worst possible outcome, a 12 being the best possible outcome. Now, um, in your sheet of character details, you do have that Alistair is a keen driver. Uh, He has driving experience. Oh, defensive driving experience. Yes. So that means that you have advantage. And what that means is you're going to He can almost drift, guys. He can drift. drift. He can, like, do half a drift. Not at the moment, because he needs some new tyres and he doesn't want to blow them, (laughs) so he's actually driving quite carefully, but he, you know, he he got some skills. Yes, but the fact that you have a skill in this relevant action of driving means that you get to roll twice and you take the highest roll. Okay. So you've got a natural one. Oh, that's a ten. All right. That's not bad. Um, While you are driving, you are looking, glancing at Ernest to kind of gauge his reaction to uh, what you're saying. As he's growing increasingly uncomfortable. So <laughs> as you look back uh, to the road, you suddenly realise that there is something rushing across the road. You swerve, you stamp on the brakes, the, um, the small car skids to a stop. It goes over the roof, not under. Ooh. Um, Okay. You skid to a stop halfway off the road uh, as you have that prickling sensation of shock. Alistair's hands are gripping very tight on the steering wheel. His teeth are gritted. As the car pulls to a stop, he switches off the engine and he goes, Sorry about that. Uh, Just puts his hand on your shoulder and looks at you like directly. What was that? Is this more of your your boogeyman stuff? I told you this place was cursed. And he gets out. (laughs) Gets out of the car, still holding his bag as I'm looking around. (laughs) Okay, so what did Alistair see before? Well, with a 10, Alistair managed to not damage his car at all. 
Uh, he also managed oh, to yeah. get a glimpse that this was in fact a deer uh, okay. that he seems to have hit. Um, and you didn't crash into a tree. So nice. that's what 10 gets you. Okay, so Alistair gets out of the car, uh, instinctively goes to the front of the car to check for damage. He says, it's all right, it was just a deer. Urs throws open the door as well. I was like, did you have to talk about like the cursed... And runs his hands through his hair. Okay, first, Sorry. two things. First, are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. You're right. Second thing, it is not okay to hit a deer. All right, you're talking to the vet here. The park. It's not. A, he's going to turn around, and start looking down the road for the deer. Uh, you can see about ten meters back along the road, the uh, very still shape of the deer in the middle of the road. He's going to start marching towards it, like throwing his hands in the air. In the air, it's just like when it's wet, you dr- I'm sorry. I'm just getting. I'm a bit upset. <laughs> He's going to walk up to the deer. Oh, knock. Look, I heard that. You sorry. You I, hit a... He holds like his palm out. It's like, I apologize. He's still breathing quite heavily. I'm going to look at the deer now. He's going to point yeah. at it. Right. He's going to they're kneel not, down. They're not normally down this area. I'd like Ernest to make a... Let's call it a medical check. And because you have veterinary skills and this is an animal, you'll make that with advantage. I got a seven. Okay, uh, with a seven that you recognise that this is a fairly young male deer. Um, its horns are still growing, but what you do know for sure is that it is dead. Um, although, as you examine it, it's very hard to tell how. Uh, it doesn't seem to have any broken limbs. There's no blood anywhere. What there is, and this is very strange to you, is that this deer seems to be sick because there is some kind of dark mucus uh, running out of its nose and the side of its mouth. Uh, as you peel back the eyelids to look at the eye, uh, you realise that it seems to be entirely pupil. The eyes are entirely black. As you search for a pulse or any movement, uh, it feels cold to the touch. Ernest holds his hand up to kind of draw Alistair's attention and calls out, So you like weird things? Uh, I guess. Is it alright? Come and have a look at something weird then. Okay. Alistair walks over. Ernst half stands and points at it. It's like, uh, so, conscience-wise, you yeah. didn't kill it? I didn't kill it. I mean, I, I didn't think I hit it. I mean, I didn't kill it. I mean, yeah, I didn't hit it. Well, I didn't hit it hard. It I went really over your it. car. Alistair. Yeah, anyway, um, yeah, it's cold to the touch. It's are you sure it wasn't just like laying on the road? Because it's cold to the touch. And it has some type of. He looks at the black mucus and is like, it has some type of a parasite or a type of rabies or something. But that's oh. he's going to kneel okay. down and pull from his bag a little vial little plastic vial of like a click, click on lid and he's going to get a popsicle stick and like move some of the gunk into the little vial and close it shut. Like, I've never seen a type of infection like this but it's it hasn't been alive for a while. Well, it happened pretty quick. I didn't see how it was sitting so I, I guess it could have been lying on the road. I don't know. And Alistair's going to like reach out to touch it like the black stuff. Ernst slaps your hand and was like Alistair Stern it is an unknown disease 
or infection, you do not don't touch it. Just don't just don't touch it. Okay. Fair point. Um, um, you can just call me Ali as well. That's probably a bit more efficient. Now uh, we didn't really establish this. Is one of you holding a torch, a flashlight? Uh, Ernest is using like the flashlight on his keys. It's like a little part, like mini one. Uh, that's all he's using. Yeah, I don't think but Alistair would have one. I like both of you to uh, roll perception for me. So this is again a d12, and you're rolling to see what your character uh, is aware of in your immediate vicinity. Alistair gets a three. Uh, I got a five. I'm paying full attention to the deer. All right. Well, with a three and a five, um, for Alistair, a three, that is a failure. That's in the category of failure. Uh, five, that's a mixed result, mm-hmm. Ernest. What the two of you do notice is that um, as the storm is moving over, uh, the gentle showers have stopped and the wind now picks up and rustles the top of the trees. And both of you instinctively looking up as you uh, glance back down, Ernest, you catch something moving off in the woods. Raising your your pen light, uh, you try to see whether perhaps there was something else, another deer maybe... All you see is a vague shuffle of movement in the shadows, but nothing more. As you both look down, you realise that the deer is gone. Uh, I'm going to say Alistair doesn't notice that, because um, he would have turned back to the car. He's like, all right, well, we better get a move on, I guess. Ernest, like, grabs your shoulder and, like, clenches down on it. Oh, ow, hey. You can see right? that there is a trail of the black ichor in drips and drops off into the woods closest to the road the water is still kind of running down his face even though the the rain has lessened and he turns to Alistair very wide eyed and half whispers Alistair was dead yeah I know you you said that and he points at the ground uh did you move it did you he like his shoulders slump as I no I did not move it you didn't move it how was I going to move it that quickly you're saying the deer that was sitting there that is now not there you didn't move it and where would I put it fair point why would I move he's going rubs his face again it's like sorry I'm getting upset again uh, I was expecting to have a few days off. I wasn't expecting to be right onto service. I was expecting to be picked up. I was, was expecting to hear D. I'm sorry. And he rubs his face and looks down. I was like, I must have, I mustn't have checked right. It must have run off. Alistair's going to. Uh, I'd like to turn the light on my phone on and make another perception roll into the forest. And he's gonna like very unconvincingly be like, Yeah, yeah. I guess it wasn't dead yet. Ernest is muttering to himself. That's a 10. Ernest is muttering to himself. It's just like, yep, and he got hit by a car and had a disease and it wasn't dead. All right, with a 10, uh, Alistair, your torch on your phone is a fair bit more powerful. Um, He's upgraded it. And you are squinting into the depths of the forest. I'm assuming the way that you expect the deer may have gone just yeah. the trail. Yeah. Uh, you do see a little glimmer of movement, something dark off between the trees, and then another and another. Not one thing moving, but several things moving, and in one instance you see the glint of something shiny, but with the rain that's fallen, it's hard to tell what that might be. Get in the car. 
Ernest is already picking up his bag and like starting to walk. Is like they didn't have a heartbeat. But Get in know, the car. Maybe I was just. Alice stressed. is going back quite quickly and start going towards it. Ernest like looks Get off in. into the distance. Like well, it probably just ran off, Alistair. It's fine. Get in the car. Okay, I'm getting. I'm getting in the car. Yes. Yeah. Alistair starts the car and uh, starts off quite quickly now. Right, you begin moving. Um, Alistair, as you glance in the rearview mirror, in the red of your taillights, you see shadowy, indistinct figures move from the trees into the road as you leave. <sighs> Great. Alistair instinctively, um, his left, his right hand goes to the, like, the central locking button and he locks the car doors. The Hookbar Ranger Station is 10 minutes outside of town, on the edge of Staples Park, a dense forest reserve that covers most of the mountain of Hookbar for which the island is named. As you um, pull into the station, you realise this is a, a cleared area of ground that accommodates uh, a visitor parking lot, some information boards, uh, and the start of half a dozen walking trails, all with their own little plaques. There's also a heavy security gate and ticket booth that guard one of the roads up into the mountain trails. Set back from the parking is a large squat building constructed mostly of old brick with a heavy sloping roof. There's a sign out front that reads Hookbar Ranger Station and Information Centre. As you pull into the car park, you see that there are no other cars here and the lights are not on. There are street lights in the parking area, but the uh, the actual ranger station is unlit. Okay, that's a bit weird. And Alistair quite quickly pulls, uh, screeching a little bit, but not dangerously, into one of the car spots. Uh, he's parked quite crooked. Ernest unclicks the lock of the car and starts to get out and pauses and looks back in to the car and says, Uh, well, thanks. Um... You look quite shaken, are you, are you, you know, having a near crash and all that thing. Uh, yeah, well, I've never really been in an accident before, so... Behind the station, you can see the ranger cabins, uh, a collection of small log cabins that are nestled under a thick clump of tall pine trees. Um, there are pine needles all over the roof. As you step out and breathe the air, uh, you can see that the wind has blown the storm on and the sky has being revealed this polished obsidian sprinkled with bright stars. More stars than you've ever seen at home this far away from any light pollution. It's probably best that you don't drive right away. You should come in. Yeah, sure. That's That sounds good. Alistair uh, like, switches yeah. off. And, oh, yeah. and it's like pats on the car twice. It's like, I don't know if they have tea, but he pats his back. I have tea. And it's going to start walking towards the station. As he walks, he squints a little bit again. He's doing that a lot today. He, like, frowns, like, that, that's not protocol. What's up? He continues walking, not really slowing. He's uh, like, the, there's always supposed to be someone in the station. The light's are always supposed to be on. It's technically yeah. an emergency, like, organization, like, where there's always someone on, on guard every hour of the day and night. The lights are always on. It's a community hub. It's always meant to be alive. Uh, 
He looks at his phone and like, maybe things are more desperate than I thought. Alistair's not really been looking. He's been like locking the car and he's like, yeah, and? And he stops as his feet crunch on broken glass. Uh, Ernest, you are looking at the front door to the ranger's station. It's a large uh, glass door. There is a closed sign hanging in the window, but the door is smashed open. Uh, and there is glass strewn both on the in and outside. And you can see as you step in, the emergency lights do still seem to be on, but the main lights are off. Uh, as you bring out your flashlight and you step in, uh, you can see that this is a very old-fashioned ranger station. It's actually quite underwhelming. It's wood panel. There's uh, paintings of mountain rangers and photos of ranger brigades on the walls. And what you are looking at is essentially a little waiting room um, with an office desk at the end. And against this desk, you can see a splatter of blood. Ernest pauses, seeing the blood, and then looks around the room, trying to see if there's like a branch that broke, that like got blown in and broke the glass or something like that. And is then going to move towards the the desk and look at the blood. Uh, at this point, Alistair's caught up to you. It's like, well, that's not normal. Um, Ernest points at the desk. Ooh. Okay, well, uh, guess we better have a look. So Ernest's immediate thought is someone has fallen through the glass door, and they're like, because the door and the, the desk are quite close together, like fell through the glass onto the desk, and their blood got onto like the desk. So that is going to be his immediate thought. It's like, okay, uh, and he's going to walk over to uh, one of the wall switches and try the lights a few times. They do not turn on. Alistair's going to look back towards the car park before he walks into the room fully. Make another perception check for me. Ooh. That's a two. There's nothing there. Ernest is going to start uh, trumping through the the um, small building with his flashlight, calling out, Hello? Anyone? And he's also looking for... Lester! Any type of door that might lead to, like, a backup generator. He knows there's supposed to be one. Gina! Hello? As you begin to uh, search, Ernest, you don't know the layout. You can see that there are some bathrooms down the end of the waiting room. You can see that there is a door just behind the main reception desk that seems to lead deeper into the building into um, what is presumably offices and storage lockup and equipment rooms and things. Mm-hmm. Ernest is also subconsciously looking for more blood, like on walls or the floor or anything like that. Make a perception checkpoint. Three. Uh, hard to tell. As you move around, it looks like this room uh, has been ransacked. There are papers on the ground. Uh, one of the small tables has been upended. You can see that there is a shelf uh, that seems to have been right next to the door has been splintered on the ground. Uh, it's hard to find anything at all in this sort of mess. Ernest scratches his chin and looks at Alice like, Okay, so this is either, looking at a mess, a robbery or a bear attack. Alistair kind of smiles a bit and chuckles, and I'm going to roll perception as well. 
I got an eight, which is a success. Uh, okay, looking around, yes, this is chaotic, but you begin to pick out at least two places where there seems to be uh, a spattering of holes gouged into the wall. Uh, your best guess, that looks like um, buckshot. Alice is going to take out his pocket knife and walk over to the wall, and I'm going to roll to dig out one of the shotgun pellets. Mm-hmm. That's also an eight. Yeah, you managed to find one or two. I pull it out and hold it in my hand, and I go, those, those points, backs up bear attack. Or a robbery gone wrong, maybe. Who would rob a... Uh, I know I did suggest it, but who would rob a... Alistair, like, throws him over his shoulder and he's like, all right, bear attack it is. And then he walks towards Lester's office and he turns and he's like, you know we don't have bears here, right? Uh, Tasmanian devils. They're violent. This is not Tasmania. You have Tasmania gums. What? And Alistair's going to walk and he's like, you check the storage room. Ernest pauses and is like, Alistair, if it's a bear, we shouldn't split. And he's going to start following after you. It's, it's not like, going to be a bear, but yeah, My sure. mum gave me bear spray. And he's like pulling bear spray out of his bag. Hold on, like, what? Bear, in case there's bears. Bears? What is bear spray? I didn't get much time to research the island. Uh, as you walk, you've uh, crossed behind the uh, reception desk. You've gone through the door behind into what looks like a, a shared office room. There's probably room for about six, maybe ten desks in here. Uh, although a few are stacked up against the walls empty. There seems to be three or four in use. Most of them look like they haven't been touched in at least a few days. Some of them have cups of coffee on them. Uh, there are reports filed, but this room too has been trashed. One of the desks is tipped over. There's a water cooler that's been smashed on the ground. Chester, can you roll... Uh, just roll for me? Five. This doesn't pay much attention. Yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, Alistair opens the door to the office. To Lester's office. To Lester's At the office. end of this room, there is another door with um, Chief Chief Lester printed on it. Ernest is going to pause in the doorway and is going to peer back, taking a few steps and peering back along the corridor out the front door again, thinking, Alistair was very focused on that. Uh, He's going to see if he can see anything. One. And the shadows seem to be even longer. You can see the lights out in the car park and the moving pines and that's all. He shrugs and then thinks to himself, isolation is a blessing and a curse. And is going to head to the office. Alistair pushes open the door and immediately, you know, is kind of speaking. Lester, it's, it's Alistair and, uh, and Ernest, the, the new... As you shine your torch around, you see that this is the same small office. You've been here maybe once or twice to uh, do some maintenance work to replace light bulbs and things. This room is wood-panelled, it's cramped. Uh, There is a gun safe in one corner, a bookshelf, uh, a little side table. There's a very large desk that should not be in an office this small and a matching chair. Um, And the entire place is a complete mess of books and papers and files. But despite this, it is hard to miss uh, the labyrinth of images and paperwork that have been 
pinned, nailed, stapled to the back wall. Has Alistair seen this paperwork before? No, he has not. Ah, okay. This is a, a lattice of evidence trails. Uh, you can see many missing persons posters in here. You can see a large map of the archipelago as a whole with annotated notes on them, little signs and symbols on different locations. Okay. Some of these are connected to photos. Some of them are connected to news stories, animal sightings. Uh, Alistair looks at the mess, but then more specifically, he looks at all this stuff. That, I mean, he was in here like probably, I don't know, three days ago or a week ago or something, and none of this was here. And he goes, okay, uh, this is this is very different. As walks in, looks at, like, was like the social network? Is there going to be writing on the windows as well? He's like, looks at the windows. Is there writing on the windows? No, there's not writing. Okay, on there's the no windows. writing on the windows. There is one small window, but there is no writing. There's no equations written on it. No, no one really does that, Chester. <laughs> yeah, no one does it. <laughs> Alistair gestures and he's like, "This was not here last week." Well, Alistair's uh, going to take a step up to it and start reading some of the bits. All right, make a, an investigation check for me to see how much is sort of intelligible. Ten. Um, it is hard to pin down exactly what is going on here. There is so much different pieces of information. Uh, what you do get with a 10, though, is that you can see that someone is trying to map out a series of disappearances. Um, they have dates, names, they have a list of witnesses, uh, last known location type of thing. Uh, but they also seem to be cross-referenced with animal sightings or other notable local news events. And the map seems to annotate that these disappearances, as best as whoever is investigating can tell, are happening at random all over both the main island of Hookbar, but also the other islands. Ernest pauses and then points at one of them, which says, Garbage bins raided by giant bat? Question mark. And Ernest turns to Alice and is like, I think, I think this is all rubbish. I think this is all... I think this is all rubbish, Alistair Stern. You also pick out a reoccurring phrase in many of the handwritten notes. The phrase, watchtower burning. Ernest then traces his hand down to these little ones and points it out to Alistair. He's like, you guys have some bushfires here or something? Like... Yeah, there's no such thing as a giant bat. Uh, no, I'm not talking about that. I mean the uh, oh. watchtower, but like, uh, did you lose one recently? No, I I don't know. I mean, we haven't had, we haven't ever had bad bush buyers here. It's not hot enough. Um, I, I don't know. Weird phrase to say then. Uh, both of you roll for me. Uh, while we're doing this, Alistair would also, I'd like to take out my phone and start taking photos of this stuff. Uh, I rolled a 10. I rolled a 10 too. Aww. Aww. Oh, look at us making look podcasts. Look at us making us a podcast. Aww. Aubrey, you roll as well. Go on, Aubrey. Get a 10. Seven. Loser. Ah, just couldn't do it. He couldn't just couldn't it. get there. All right. Couldn't while, commit. <laughs> <laughs> while both of you are uh, looking over this information, Alistair is taking photos, you are still weirded out enough by this situation that you are quite on edge. And you hear the chink of broken glass moving out in the main reception room. And then you hear a slight shuffle on carpet. Uh, spins around. The bear. Now, the, the door, I believe, to the office is 
closed or almost closed behind you, this door to Chief Is Lester's it like spring loaded? No. Okay. So what do you want to do? Ernest probably would have closed it slightly just out of like discomfort of things from the main street being able to yeah, see in. Sure. Uh, so he's As- going to pull out his bear spray and shake it and like move towards the door. He's like, so with a bear, you have to be assertive. Alistair whispers back, we don't have bears. It's probably the chief coming back. But you can see uh, Alistair is still holding his pocket knife and he's gripping it in his hand very tightly. <laughs> I was just shaking the bear spray. I was like, then don't stab him. Don't bear erase him. It's ju- it's like pepper spray. Like I think might be vinegar. <laughs> Alistair just mouths vinegar. <laughs> it was like ten bucks on Amazon. And then uh, I'm gonna edge towards the door and open it slowly. And Ernest is as like Alistair opens the door. Ernest like jumps into the space that's been opened with the bear spray. All right, the door swings open. Ernest, you are in the forefront. What you see as you level your torch uh, is that in the darkness of the office, in the deep shadows, there is a figure moving. Uh, at first, you can pick out that it is humanoid, bipedal, uh, and as your torch begins to move up it and it shifts from cover behind one of the desks, uh, you see that it is a man. Uh, he is tall, he's balding, a little overweight with what was maybe once a kind but tired face. Uh, You recognise the park ranger's uniform. As he moves closer, you can see that his movements are jerky and uneven, as if he is being moved by strings rather than his own motion. Lester, we tried to call you, are you alright? As he moves fully into the torchlight, you can see that he is pale, that there is black mucus dripping from his nose out of his mouth you can see it running from his ears and the corners of his eyes which are now completely black he opens his mouth this gaping maw of black ichor and lets out a gurgling shuddering scream 